As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the best part of your week. Today, we're taking a dive into Lauren's head. Hello, quote-unquote intellectuals who spend way too much time on BuzzFeed surveys. Quote-unquote intellectuals. I mentioned that they spend way too much time on BuzzFeed surveys. <laughs> so uh, is that a like a self-described quote-unquote? Like Absolutely. They call themselves intellectuals, but they're not? Yeah. So, yeah. okay, good. Yeah. I, I love when you start off our podcast by uh, insulting our listeners. It's only because we love you. It's a great you. marketing <laughs> tactic. Thank you. Welcome back to Hyperfocus. We're excited to have you back again for another week. We've been doing this for a while now, so we're, we're glad you're still here. Way to change the subject from uh, insulting our listeners, but it's true. We're still glad to have as, you here. As much as we insult you, we're, yeah. I think that's, here. I think it's fair. No. All right, so. No, no, n- give me another line other than it's fair. I think it's justified. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. All right, what do we got today? All right, so first of all, before we get started, as per usual, I have to apologize for a couple of things on your behalf. Shoot, I was hoping you'd forget. A lot of them are in the same vein based on the last episode because the last episode left a lingering memory, which I'm going to apologize for I have no idea. Episode. I have no idea what you're talking about. A lot of your apologies are in the same vein as my episode. Well, that's the, the point. No, no, no. The three, never mind. The three apologies <laughs> all correspond with one another. Okay. I wonder if you guys just heard my shoulder crack. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I'd like to apologize for is Rachel's continuous choice of dark topics on this fun podcast. She got to start it with Voitex and it's just gone downhill from there. Um, I also Well, there's nowhere to go but down from Voitex. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, good point. I also wanted to apologize for the general discussion of death in the last episode and Rachel's fixation on death in the last episode. Um, It's not going to get any better. I also would like to apologize for the corresponding gruesome and grotesque pictures on her Instagram that are on our Instagram that took place after our last episode. Dead bodies. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> so before we get started on this episode, um, I wanted to offer a little bit of a trigger warning. Um, I'm a little bit hypocritical <laughs> after my apologies for Rachel's episode because I'm going to give trigger warnings for suicide, murder, war, death, and conspiracy. Ooh. <laughs> so. This is going to be interesting. Are you ready for this, I Rachel? I am so ready. All right. So 
Today, we're going to talk about the dark conspiracy surrounding Marilyn Monroe's death. Ooh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm good. Okay. So, when it. I first started researching this, I was like, there's no way there's any credibility to this conspiracy. Everybody's sad when their favorite celebrity dies. And, you know, I don't know that I'm going to find any actual facts on this. I got really into it because there is so much here. Would, would you say that you hyper-focused on it? That might be true. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, also trigger warning for um, talking crap about the U.S. government. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in February of 19... Tell our FBI agents to stop listening. To be fair, we're talking about the government between the 60s and the 80s in L.A. So, (laughs) all right. So first I'm going to explain kind of the circumstances surrounding her suicide and just like some of the weird details there. So on August 5th, 1962... The police arrived to Monroe's house, um, and she was already dead, and she had been for some time. The details of this... Sometime. I will get there. Now? Okay. The details for this are... Yeah, like, she had died that night, but the details on this are important for the rest of um, the episode. So, she was naked, um, her face, she was not wearing makeup, and her hair and her room were messy, and she was laying in a semi-fetal position. According to her psychiatrist, she also had her phone, quote, clutched fiercely in her right hand, unquote. Um, and because there was a crumpled paper with a phone number on the scene, investigators think she was calling John F. Kennedy. We'll get to those details a little was bit later. Was it his number? Yes, it was okay. his number. Um, so Monroe's housekeeper, Eunice Murray, was the only person home when she actually died. Okay. So she was alerted that something was wrong because she saw a telephone cord under Monroe's door. And usually she would put her phone outside of her door and muffle it with pillows so she wouldn't be bothered at night. So (laughs) seeing her phone in her room was enough of a reason for the housekeeper to freak out about that situation. But instead of calling the police, she called Monroe's psychiatrist. He came. But she knew she was dead. She didn't know what was wrong. She just saw the phone. She knew something was okay. wrong, though. Um, I saw one thing that said that she was, like, trying to get her attention and wasn't hearing anything. It was enough that she needed somebody to come in the middle of the night. But for some reason, she didn't think the police were her best option. Sure. Um, so she called... Well, L.A. in the 60s. Oh, yeah. So she called uh, Monroe's psychiatrist, who broke into the window of her room and went to go check her vitals um she was unresponsive so this is when you call the cops right you know i i personally would have called them first but i have a feeling we've got a couple more steps to get there yeah so the next thing is uh dr engelberg who was her internist came before he called an ambulance he came he checked her vitals he realized he that she was dead and then he was like all right, it's time to call the cops. So there's a lot of suspicious things about that time frame that we will talk about later. Okay. Um, but those are the facts based on those three individuals' accounts. They found pill bottles beside her bed. The autopsy report stated that the cause of death was a acute barbiturate of poisoning due to ingestion of overdose. That was the wording. Um, basically, she overdosed on the sleeping pills oh, that she had been. Yeah, those are sleeping pills that she had been prescribed for those of you like me who didn't know before this episode. Um, mm-hmm. The mode of death was probable suicide. That's what was listed. She had spoken to Dr. Greenson, who's her psychiatrist, on the phone at 5.15 on the Saturday before her death, and she was complaining that she couldn't sleep. So that's when she was actually prescribed the sleeping mm. pills. It was only a few days before she actually died. For some people... That sounds like, oh, she didn't know how well they could be abused. She may have accidentally killed herself. Yeah, yeah. To other people, it sounds suspicious that those would have been prescribed at the time they were prescribed. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask if we were going to get an equivocal death analysis, mm. um, but I have a feeling you're getting there. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so before we keep going, I want to go a little bit into Monroe's background. Okay. So the first thing is that her mother was incredibly emotionally unstable and she spent a lot of time in an asylum. So there was a history of mental illness in Monroe's family from her mother. She also had a history of mental illness, Monroe did, and was under constant psychiatric care at this point. Like was seeing her psychiatrist every day. Okay. And wow. was medicated. Um, so in the year leading up to her death, though, she had just bought her first home and had a few career things that were going really well. So it seems like things were on the up. But she also was a bit more of a mess in public than normal. Her nails were chipped was the example. Um, rumors <laughs> were... which uh, I guess I'm always a mess in yeah, public then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but rumors were also spreading about her and John F. Kennedy at the time. And she had just divorced her third husband. She and her most recent husband had also had several miscarriages, and she blamed herself for that because of her alcohol and drug abuse. Mm. So I'm curious. You may have said this. If you did, I don't remember. How old was she at this point? 36. Okay. Um, another thing is that in the media, just kind of contributing to her depression, she had said, quote, being a sex symbol is a heavy load to carry, especially when one is tired hurt and bewildered she also had said quote hollywood is a place where they'll pay you a thousand dollars for a kiss and 50 cents for your soul unquote true it she was absolutely right and also because of that her life was really bleak um as with many celebrities deaths fans immediately believed that the suicide was false Mm -hmm. um and that it was kind of an assault on her character and they thought that her death was at least a tragic accident at most a murder okay so That's where this gets started. So this was in the 1960s that she died. Um, The Los Angeles District Attorney's Office didn't find evidence of murder when they did a 1982 investigation. They did this investigation because of the theories that were 20 years after her death. 20 years later. So they went and looked over all of the evidence at that point. Um, They didn't find any evidence, but we're going to unpack that information. So a senior forensic pathologist looked over the original medical findings, and he agreed with them, the senior pathologist that they hired. However, Dr. Stephen Karch, who's a retired retired assistant medical examiner, also reviewed the results, and he found them very questionable, as he noted that Monroe's Monroe's internist, Dr. Engelberg, who we mentioned earlier, he's the third one that that saw her dead. had told the DA that only one of the medications that killed her had been prescribed by him. Mm. So Dr. Karch wonders how she got access to the other medication. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's weird is that the records indicate that no drugs were actually removed from the scene. But her business manager, Inez Melson, told Summers, who was an investigator, I wanted to mention, I also got a lot of this information from Summers' article. Um, Summers also wrote a book. It's very helpful. Highly recommend it. It will be linked. Um, But Inez Melson told Summers that she threw away the medication once the police were gone. So when you say the it wasn't taken from the scene, like it wasn't taken in as evidence... That's what Summers Good. uncovered. But again, Good. this was 20 years later, so it's really hard Great. to know. Yeah. There's other things later that's what, that indicate... That's what like to hear. There's other things later that indicate that they may have had it. Okay. So, okay. Um, but one question was that if Inez Melson actually did throw it away, how were the medication containers analyzed at the coroner's lab? Because that oh. was in the report. Okay, so yeah, it, it was evidence. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so apparently after they were analyzed, though, they were destroyed which is really suspicious. Toxicologist Dr. Raymond Abernathy, who was in charge at the time, wouldn't comment on it. Um, When he was asked, Dr. Karch said, there's absolutely no reason you would throw it out. He said, 
After looking at all of the evidence, he said, quote, you can't rule out the possibility that Marilyn Monroe was murdered. If I had my druthers, I would classify this death as undetermined causes. Mm -hmm. To me, I'm not by nature a conspiracy theorist. The circumstances of her death remain a mystery. So when you say that the the medication bottles were destroyed. Was that like like immediately after they were analyzed? So I don't know exactly. I couldn't find the time frame on that, but I know that there was one, they had analyzed that. And I don't know if it was the 82 investigation or more shortly after in the 60s, but somewhere in that time frame. I feel like that's a pretty big distinction though, because like, you know, if evidence is kept for 20 years before it's disposed of, that's different than disposing of it three days after it's taken in as right, evidence. Right, right. So I, I really don't know the okay. time frame on that. I do know that Dr. Karch found it really suspicious when he looked into it. And he looked into it when? Um, I think the 80s. Was he the one who did the 82 investigation? No, that was that the was district the... attorney's office. Oh, right, he right. was um, responding to that. So I think he did oh, okay. it in the 80s. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so Sergeant Jack Clemens, who was the officer who first came to the scene, um, stated in the 1982 investigation that the scene didn't look, quote, kosher to him. Okay. I love that description. Yeah. I think that's excellent. Um, but the, Something's off kilter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the DA just dismissed what he said because he wasn't super experienced in suicides. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, also, like, that description... It, it doesn't really sound like it's backed by fact. Like, that's a that's an intuition thing. Yeah. Which intuition definitely plays it into. It can be strong. It, yeah. it definitely plays into murder investigations. Like, sometimes, and, and not only murder investigations, but sometimes, like, you get those, like, vibes from someone or something, and that's usually for a reason. Like, there's usually a logical explanation for right. why. Right, Um. So, in the DA investigation, they also didn't interview Sergeant Robert Byron, which is weird. He's the homicide detective that took over for Clemens, and he's the one that filed the only three police reports that have survived. He also had stated doubts about Monroe's housekeeper, uh, which he had indicated in a report just mm. three days after Monroe's death. So, she was a little sketchy. Um, in 1986, he did an interview with Summers, the investigator, and said she was, quote, vague and possibly evasive in answering questions pertaining to the activities of Miss. Monroe. It is not known whether this is or is not intentional, unquote. That the housekeeper was vague about it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So one theory is that because Monroe's attorney had come and talked with her, um, apparently her response had seemed rehearsed. And so people mm-hmm. think that the attorney just prepped her on what to say, in which case she could have been nervous. She also could have been hiding something. Why would Monroe's attorney, though, like be defending someone who's a suspect in her death? I mean, it's really hard to know. Right? It depends on like, the conspiracy you're following on this, okay. which we'll get to. Because to me, like, if you are representing someone who's has been murdered, like, you don't try to cover up for someone who may have had something to do with it unless it was something along the lines of, like, an assisted suicide. Right, right. And I think that that's part of why this case is so weird is because there's so much different information and because of the involvement of the Kennedys, it becomes really weird politically. And it was just such a high-profile case to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. Um so I also thought it was interesting Monroe's attorney um, was also Frank Sinatra's attorney. Attorney, mm. so thought that was a little fun uh, fact. Doesn't matter at all. I've got a I've got a question that I don't know if you'll know the answer to, but do you know like what kind of attorney this person was? Because I don't know. You can have a lot of different kind of lawyers. Like this could be her lawyer for this could be her contract lawyer. That's true. Like, you can get really specific with lawyers. Yeah, it's not necessarily something to protect her in something like this, like a contract yeah. lawyer or a business lawyer, like that's going to be someone who's helping her, yep. you know, get jobs and make sure she's getting a good deal. Like there's a lot that could like yeah. factor into that. 
And the other thing is that she was really mentally unstable. So if her psychiatrist was like speaking on her behalf and like, hey, this is what we need. I don't know exactly what that relationship was like. Um, People indicate different levels of her mental stability. So that's very interesting with that also. Um, But Byron and Clemens, who were the two investigators that we just talked about, the two police Mm -hmm. investigators, both thought that the witnesses were trying to cover the time frame of what had happened. Mm. And it seems like this is with good reason. Um, The housekeeper and the doctors said that she was found dead at 3.30 a.m. Okay. But a 1985 interview with Natalie Jacobs, the widow of Monroe's press spokesman. Okay. Yeah. So said that they knew she was dead before 11 p.m. She knew that time frame because they were at a concert at the time and he'd gotten the call. A previous employee also said that her press spokesman went to her house at 11 p.m. There was a couple of different people that were like, no, this was going down at 11. Right. And if someone, if someone dies in the middle of the night, why would you find them at 3.30? Exactly. Like, why, why would the housekeeper be up? And, like, you know, do we even know if the housekeeper lived there? Like, if she lived there, right. that makes it a little bit more plausible. Yeah, I think that she did. But um, it looked like it from the research I was looking at, but I don't know for sure. Right. And then even then, it's like, it's 3.30 in the morning, you're exhausted, you see something looks a little odd, you're like, I'll deal with that in the morning. Yep. So her story to the cops is that she saw it and was worried at like 10 or 11, right. and then she didn't investigate it until 3.30. Because like it didn't change? Exactly. But she wouldn't have called the press spokesman and he wouldn't have been there at that time. Right. Um, the other interesting thing is that his wife said that apparently Jacobs went to start damage control. Um, that was the that was the thing I was going to yeah. suggest is that like the only reason you would do that is you're thinking like, okay, she's getting out of yep. hand. We need to get a handle on this in the media mm-hmm. before anything gets out about it right so that which could explain why they didn't call the cops till 3 30 that would make sense why they would call like their publicist but then by the time you actually find her and realize she's not responding the fact that they didn't call the police right away is what's weird yeah so um jacobs's wife said quote he had he had to fudge the press he went to Marilyn's house and fudged everything unquote the the publicist the publicist's wife said that the publicist was dead at the time of these interviews right right his widow, yeah. So the assistant DA at the time of the investigation said that the 1982 investigation said that they would have investigated further if they'd realized that those individuals had known she was dead for five or six hours before the police were called. Could they not investigate further when they said that? I guess like they closed they it. They haven't. They must. Yeah. 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 So after her death, um, like we've been talking about in 1982, they did, they reviewed the circumstances of her death. Um due to the controversy controversy and the claim by coroner's aide that he'd been coerced into signing her death certificate. The coroner said that? The coroner's aide said that he'd been cor- coerced. To be honest... The coroner's aide said that the coroner was coerced. No, I think that- the coroner's aide had been coerced into signing okay. it. Um, I didn't find a lot on that. Not a lot of people talk about it. Kind of seems to me like you're doing that for publicity. But I also could be super wrong. Right. Um, and it's it, just it could be one of those things that is like... It was in line with the findings, but he wanted, you know, he's like, this is a high profile case. We should look into it more. But it had been a standard autopsy. Like, you know, it it could have been like completely normal, uh, like a completely normal situation. But because of the mystery surrounding the case, he's like, I signed it only being 98% sure. Right, right. Um, Or it could be, it could be that he was like fully coerced. Yep. Who knows? Yeah, we we really don't know. And that's the weird thing about this case. 
1985, Anthony Summers, he's the researcher and investigator we've been talking about, um, began pressing the FBI for documents. Um, and although the initial given documents were very highly censored, he had a lawyer try to push the FBI for documents every year. Um, finally, between 2005 and six, the FBI gave him 100 pages and he got 500 more from the case review from 1982. So what was the, uh, I don't, I don't, because I don't think we've mentioned this yet. Uh, what was the FBI's involvement in this during the act of investigation? To be honest, I don't really know. It's mostly just talked about the police handling it. So maybe if they initially just ruled it as a suicide, the FBI weren't involved in it. Um, it, just, it looks like it was the 1982 report. We're also going to get to the FBI also had been following Monroe. And we're going to talk about okay. that. So... Um, Actually, in February of 1962, which is the year that she died, mm -hmm. um, Monroe was in Mexico City in a hotel suite hanging out with Frederick Vanderbilt Field, who was the great-great-grandson of railroad tycoon Cornelius Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. um, the FBI were concerned about the situation um, because she'd been hanging out with JFK at his birthday party only three weeks earlier. At this per birthday party, that's when the scandal started to break between Monroe and JFK. So basically, she was hired to sing a very breathy and mm -hmm. soulful and sexy happy birthday, happy yeah. birthday Mr. President. <laughs> um, she was actually sewn into her dress because it was so tight. Really? And it was I made to look that. like she was naked. Like this was a very sexy huh. performance. JFK's response to this was, quote, I can now retire from, politi from politics after having had a happy birthday sung to me such a sweet, wholesome way. Oh. So that was his mm. response. Um, so because she had been hanging out allegedly having an affair, most likely having an affair with JFK. Right. Um, before this point, the FBI were really concerned because Field was an outspoken communist. Um, he was a loud and proud supporter of communism. Field was... The guy that she was hanging out the, with in Mexico City. The uh, relative of Vanderbilt, yeah. Exactly. So um, he was already under watch by the FBI. So... Just for... Marilyn Monroe. Sketchy involvements. Yeah, yeah, and being very loudly supportive. She flew oh, to Mexico right, right. City. Yeah. They were very close friends. She also had connection to the Kennedys. You can see why the FBI would be concerned about a yes. security leak. Um, she also had been allegedly having an affair with Robert, um, John's brother. Oh. So, yep, she started hanging out with JFK in the 60s and Robert in 62. The reason I'm saying hanging out, not sleeping with, is there's very definitive evidence that they knew each other. Sleeping yeah. together is the more sketchy yeah, yeah. part. That's, it that's seems not something you want to assume about people. Yep, yep. There's also a lot of evidence. We'll get to that too. <laughs> um, so naturally, the FBI was concerned that Monroe was a security risk, especially because she would drink a lot and knew a lot of information. Um, she is also... there an assassination theory that the FBI killed her? We're getting there. Um, <laughs> yes. But with I that, I love wild wild theories. I do too. Um, also, Monroe had strong leftist views. Part of the reason that she first connected with Robert Kennedy is because she would debate him on things. She was decidedly leftist. Um, she also, her internist, her housekeeper, and her psychiatrist all had ties to communism. Hmm. That's interesting. And if you remember, JFK was very outspoken against communism right. and fought communism uh, a lot. When you say connections to communism, like... All have different types of connections. Okay, some um, some more actively involved than yeah, others. Okay. Yeah, but it's even still interesting that so many people in her immediate circle have um, documented ties to communism in general um, and political beliefs in communism. 
In July of 1962, um, there was a confrontation between the West and communist nations. As we know, massive amounts of death. JFK is president. Things are weird and sad and hard. Things are weird (laughs) and sad and hard. Yeah. Um, But on July 26th, the FBI Domestic Intelligence Division, which is counter-espionage, received Mm. word from Mexico City that Marilyn Monroe had gotten lunch at the residence of Peter Lawford and President Kennedy. President Kennedy. President President Kennedy. President Kennedy. Yes. President JFK. Um, (laughs) President JFK. Peter Lawford was JFK's brother-in-law. Okay. Um, It also stated her views at that time as, quote, positively and and concisely leftist, unquote. That's how the FBI described her. Um, This document was released just 10 days before her suspicious death. It was, like, released to the public? I think that it was documented July 26th. Okay. But that, like they just like telling everyone like look out Marilyn Monroe's a communist. <laughs> no, um, it was that she was flagged by them. Right, just ten days before gotcha. her death. Gotcha. Super suspicious timing. In internally released. Yep. Um, another thing that's interesting, switching gears a little bit about her suicide specifically, is that before her death, um, she had talked about suicide with Gian Carmen, who's a fellow actress. Um, according to the 1982 investigation, they mm. covered that. Um, she depicted exactly how she would do it if she were to kill herself. She, Did it match? No. She said she would, quote, dress in a white nightgown, take an overdose of pills, and go to bed. The sheets and spread would be white, and she would have her hair and makeup done. A friend would be informed of the suicide to make sure that after her death, she was neatly positioned and the bedroom was in order. That's odd to me. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, if you're if you're really feeling that being a sex symbol and, and being such a public face so with so much requirement of beauty that you can't mm-hmm. walk outside with nails chipped like why and, and like you're feeling the burden of that why would you want to present yourself in a way that's pleasing to the public you know i feel like this a lot of i mean i i can't really speak for her but it seems to me like like in a depressive state like you would want to you would want to rebel against that yeah and if you're to the point where you're suicidal about it you wouldn't want to go out in a way that was pleasing to the public like I, I mean, unless if you're, I don't know, if you wanted to go out with dignity, though. You know what I mean? If so much but, of your life had if, been. If you feel like, you know, Hollywood will give you 50 cents for your soul. Yeah. Wouldn't it be more dignified to go out in a way that's human and not mm. fabricated? Yeah. I really don't know the answer to that. And unfortunately. No one will. Yeah. But. She can't tell us. But the other thing that's very interesting, Becky Aldridge, who's another private investigator who's looked into this case. Um, noted that in her previous attempts, she had always left a note. So she had attempted suicide before. Mm. When she actually died, there was no note. So that's what were her attempts well. like? Were they overdoses? Probably, I don't know for okay. sure. Um, I don't think that was super significant to the case. So they didn't talk about it a whole lot. I feel like that would be significant to the yeah, case, but, but they I also wouldn't be surprised if they ignored it. Yeah, downplayed it. Um, the other thing is that Aldridge, the PI, um, stated that she found that there were mysterious bruises on her hips that could indicate either violence or an injection. So that goes to the theory an with injection? her overdose that she was injected with something. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you have a? Wouldn't you get like track marks if someone was injecting you? With yeah, something? it feels like you probably would. Like it's yeah. a very interesting. I want to know what these bruises looked like. I really don't know. It's actually the only place I could find this. Is there autopsy but... in public? Oh, it might be. I know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. After this, <laughs> after we record. Actually, I'm going to look it up now, but keep talking. Okay. I'm just going to see if it's available. Okay. So switching back to her connection with the Kennedys, um, since we've really established like the circumstances surrounding her suicide, or at least what we know about the circumstances surrounding her suicide, or her death, or her murder. 
whatever we're going to call this. Um, according to one of Jacobs' assistants, he knew about Marilyn's connection to the Kennedys. Jacobs was her publicist. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, she was on and off with JFK starting in 1960. Then in 1962, she spent time with Robert and began talking about, quote, a new man in my life, unquote, who she only revealed once to a friend as, quote, the general. Oh. Which that's how the Justice Department insiders referred to Robert. Uh, okay. Yep. So basically she wouldn't say any more than that. This is like his code name. Right. Um, she wouldn't say any more than that about who she was sleeping with and had indicated that it was because of security concerns, um, that he was somebody high profile. So that's very strong, um, very strong evidence that she was with at least one, probably both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, additionally, Robert's secretary, Angie Novello confirmed that they had been exchanging cars and the FBI's former agent in charge, Bill Simon, once let him borrow his car to visit her. Okay. Lots of evidence that they were together. Um, to some extent. Yep. There's also some controversy over whether or not Robert was there on the day of her death, which I thought was very interesting. Um, like, was visiting her at yes, her yes. residence? So according to the DA review, there's no evidence that he was in L.A. Newspapers said he was in San Francisco at the time. Okay. But there were some other notable police investigation police investigators connected to the case who said that he was in L.A. Monroe's housekeeper said he went to her home and so do several other people. One thing I will say with her housekeeper, though, if we're going to discredit her earlier information, we probably shouldn't trust her now. Mm. Um, she's a sketchy source in general. But she does say that he was at her home. So that's interesting. Okay. In her final few hours, um, Monroe had several phone conversations. Apparently, one of them was to a scriptwriter friend in Mexico City. He said that she told him, quote, something that would shock the world, unquote. But he wouldn't say what it was that she told him. Oh, come on. I know. And then... And that, like... That just screams publicity stunt. Oh, like, it totally does. Either either she didn't tell him anything or she told him something personal. Yep. And he never even should have said yep. that's, that she told him something. Like something personal that yep. wouldn't contribute to the investigation. Yep. Um, another. Or it was, re- <laughs> or it was really minor and He's like, he should have just sh- told the police. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... And then at 9.30 p.m., Monroe called Sydney Guileroff. Sorry, I probably butchered that name. Um, she was a Hollywood hairdresser and a confidant to several stars. Sydney wrote that before Monroe's death, she sounded frantic. She had said, quote, Robert Kennedy was here threatening me, yelling at me. I'm having an affair with him. I had an affair with JFK as well. Um, Goodness. <laughs> yeah. Unquote. She said that Robert Kennedy had journeyed to Los Angeles that afternoon, not merely to break off his own affair, but to warn Monroe about ever phoning the White House again. It's over, he had told her. Now Marilyn was sobbing on the phone. I'm frightened. I know a lot of secrets about what has gone on in Washington. Dangerous ones. Uh, how credible is this source? Because that's that is, what I was going to say. That is this significant. looks one of two ways to me. The first is that this information was suppressed and Monroe really did know a lot and really did need to be silenced. Mm. The other thing that could be is that this story is just a little bit too perfect. Yeah. Um, if this hairdresser had seen the stories in the news and been like, hey, this is suspicious. She called me. Oh, here's all the things. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to know. But if that's true, that's really big evidence. Uh, the mind fills in a lot of missing details. And it's very possible that 50, 60, 
90% of her account is yep, true yep. and you know there are some false memories so with that take any of the individual quotes I will say with a grain of salt because we don't know what people were actually thinking and this right. is a suspicious case that right. being said it's very interesting information um so that also being said like let's assume she did know some some federal secrets or yeah. whatever uh that's that's not necessarily like I don't know how to say this um if she if she did know them it's not necessarily her fault it could have been mm-hmm. that she was told these things and then when he called her and was trying to break it off for whatever reason whether it's because he didn't yeah want to continue the affair or he you know like was starting to get scared that he had told her things mm-hmm. if you if you reveal state secrets to someone and then you try to abruptly and rudely cut them off like he may have made her more th- more of a threat than she was yep by reacting that way especially because both robert and john were obviously married at the time Mm -hmm. so um their affairs would have hurt both of their public images um right and if she also knew too many secrets it's not a heart it's not a far jump to say that they may have wanted her out of the picture right um but also despite all of the evidence her affairs are still technically not confirmed right yeah uh, that's an, that's important it is very important donald spoto who wrote marilyn monroe the biography thinks that they were not romantic and only slept together once that would be her and jfk mm-hmm. so his account was that they hung out four times they slept together one time didn't mean anything to either of them mm-hmm. um part of the dispute about her affair with robert kennedy um is that the initial information came was a tip from the author Frank Capel. Uh, he was going to publish a book on Robert Monroe's affair and claim that the Kennedys were responsible for her death. The FBI was like, this is ridiculous. There's a statement <laughs> about this that came out. I think it came out in the Kennedy files, but I could be wrong about that. I will link it in the description if you want to go read that whole thing. Um, you're welcome to. I skimmed it. Um, <laughs> but the FBI said it was ridiculous. One thing that was interesting is that Capel had so a that, his... So that's which part was ridiculous? Sorry, they said that his whole story was ridiculous. His whole story? That she had been sleeping with Robert and that... Um, and you said like the initial tip came from him, the initial tip that they had an affair at all? That they had an affair and that the Kennedys were responsible for her death. That was his book. Oh. So the FBI creator of that the F- idea? Well, he was the first that was going to publish a book on it, I think. Okay, so the idea was out there before that? Probably. Okay. Um, the And also there's all of these other quotes from other sources that we've talked about. Right. So um, the FBI received a tip and they tipped off Robert Kennedy that this book was going to come out. Mm. Capel had a history of lying in the press. Ah. So very uncredible source. Yes. I think that that's something that's interesting. Even you know how these... That was the vibe I got before you even said yep. that. <laughs> these yeah. kinds of like, these scandals can erupt if you hear a whisper about something and then yes. people are like, oh, I think that's true. So I thought it was really important to these, mention that book. These high profile things are so, yep. such a game of telephone. Yep. I think that it was really important to mention Capel's book because he's a very uncredible source. Mm-hmm. And so if this really did start with him, there's a lot to be questioned here. Personally, right. based on my research, I think it was very likely that she was having an affair with at least one, if not both, of the Kennedy and he brothers. Was trying to capitalize off of exactly. That. Um, but we do have to take it with a grain of salt because we'll never know exactly what happened. So, with the differing opinions and information, I'll leave you to your own conclusions. Um, but that's the information that I have on that. So there you go. Her friendship with Field also would have been dangerous to both of them, even if they were just friends. Right. Like even if they talked on the phone and they told her some things, there is evidence that she would debate Robert Kennedy on political issues, which means that she would know a lot. Um, friends with so, a lot of powerful people yep. in a lot of different respects. And Fields was uh, the the descendant of Vanderbilt, right? Mm-hmm. So like 
that's money and power and views that go against a lot of what the exactly. the government and the country as a whole and their views that Monroe happened to agree with right and traveling with someone who has that much money and power and you know influence in a way that the country was trying to go away from traveling with someone like yeah. that abroad like that doesn't look great and even if even from a, a point of view of not considering optics like that could be very dangerous for both of them like you said yeah exactly um so yeah and also remember that dr greenson engelberg and her housekeeper were all involved with the communist party in some way right so there's she did have a lot of strong connections to mm-hmm. communism even if she had absolutely no nefarious intent would have kept these a secret until she died um there you can still understand why the fbi would be concerned about a possible leak um so many of these documents on the kennedys were released by president trump in 2017 um but 300 pages were kept private due to national security concerns and, right. the, and the one detailing monroe's affair is a less than credible source from there um which the was the fbi sorry. document is less than credible no no no. i'm sorry so the source that they mentioned in people talking about her affair was again frank Capel. the tip that so the it's FBI important to note that that's less right. than credible again i think that there's a lot of really compelling um, there's a lot of really compelling evidence about her relation to the Kennedys, but I just wanted to bring to light that there's still a lot we don't know, and mm-hmm. a lot of these could be false. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we are... Okay, so it's hard to find exactly what on Monroe was detailed in the release documents. Another thing that's really interesting and I think important to note is that Monroe did keep a diary. Okay. She kept a close diary, and a lot of people Good. think that a lot of the national secrets were in her diary. Oh. Huh. So... That's another reason. I was like, this is going to be so good for the investigation. She left a diary. No. So she did keep a diary. So that's another big security risk. And also had a tendency to gossip and to drink. So those are all Mm. problems. All right. So we're going to talk about four different conspiracies. um, Oh, my goodness. And I would love to discuss them. Okay. In my personal, very unprofessional opinion, they get less credible (laughs) as we go. Okay. So the first conspiracy is that she was killed by the Kennedys. Uh huh. She had kept a diary. And in it, she had wrote a lot of information about her conversation with both of the Kennedy brothers. Okay. Um, so this included a detailed plan to kill Fidel Castro. Mm. Dangerous information. So so it's not just a thought that she was writing some no, secrets down no. in her diary. She was. She yes. definitely was. Okay. I had forgotten that detail. I didn't have it written before. Sorry about that. This conspiracy implies that Robert, and, or the most common version of it, implies that both Robert and JFK were in on it. Uh, Peter Lawson, JFK's brother-in-law, was in on it. Uh, Dr. Greenson, her psychiatrist, her housekeeper, Murray, and Pat Newcomb were all in on it. But the story, so the theory... You gotta convince me here. Is that... mm -mm, Okay, so the theory is that they talked with the psychiatrist. Who's they? they? The Kennedys? The Kennedys and JFK's brother-in-law. They talked with the psychiatrist, they conspired together, and basically she got a prescription written for a sleeping pill that they knew that she would probably abuse. So the idea is that they gave her all of the instruments to kill herself and knew that she would do it herself. Hmm. Okay. So see, that's not as crazy. Right. So the theory isn't that they went and stabbed her, though some people might believe that. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like I feel like that one would be pretty obvious if she was stabbed. <laughs> that's why it was a joke. So because she had a history of attempted suicides, they were like, let's give her something that'll work. I think that this is very interesting, especially knowing that she was prescribed the sleeping pills just days before she actually died. Um, so that's an, it's an interesting one. It's interesting. It's, it, it almost seems a little too obvious, like yeah. prescribing yeah. that quickly. Um, 
People also think that, according to that one FBI file, um, the plot was meant to silence her because she was a liability. Right. Um, so the second um, conspiracy is the mafia. Which, I love a mafia conspiracy. Yes. So it seems very far-fetched to me because there's not a lot on it. Um, but basically the idea is that she was way in over her head and they wanted to take her out. Um, she was thought to have a relationship why? with... Why? Ju- why? Okay. She was thought to have a relationship with Johnny Roselli, who was part of the mafia, and was, quote, threatening to blow the lid off his operations, unquote. For what gain? I... There, that's it. Okay. That's all I got. <laughs> Thanks. Um, you're you're going to love this one, too. So the third okay. conspiracy, conspiracy is aliens. Oh. Not that she was killed by aliens, but that she, she knew was too much about oh. aliens. Oh. So the theory, uh, which Should is... take a little trip to Area 51 with one of the Kennedys? That's the theory. So what? the conspiracy theory is that Dr. <laughs> Stephen Greer oh. claims that she was murdered by the CIA mm. because she knew about aliens and the UFO crash in New Mexico in 1947 because John F. Kennedy had told her. So according to Greer, quote, she was threatening to hold a press conference to tell the world what Jack Kennedy had told her during Pillow Talk about having seen debris from an extraterrestrial okay. vehicle at what the document calls a secret airbase, unquote. Ooh. Do we have a conspiracy that she's a spy? No, that's not my last conspiracy. Okay. It might be out there, but it's not one of the main conspiracies. I, this is just, that's just something I came up with on the spot. Like, it's not something that I don't know has any credibility. Yeah. But, like, she definitely had had power over, over powerful people. Also, if you think about it, she had power on both sides. So the yeah. idea could be if she was fighting for one side, she was getting information on... Yeah, that yep. could be interesting. Mm-hmm. So the fourth conspiracy is actually that she's still alive. This one is my favorite just because of how little evidence there is. Um, the conspiracy <laughs> is that Dr. Greenson staged her suicide and committed her to a mental, mental institution. If this mm. were true, this would actually be kind of a weird but kind way to handle it. Yeah. If he was like, we I need was to get her out of the this press. Is, this is the one that safe. I would hope happened. Yeah. Ex- no, I read this and I was like, I want to believe this so badly. Yeah. Unfortunately, here's the research. Um, John Alexander Baker wrote the book Marilyn Monroe, Alive in 1984. First of all, 1984? Come on. But he says... He says he picked up a, quote, homeless, frightened, paranoid schizophrenic, unquote, who was hitchhiking in Nova Scotia at the time. The author said he picked someone up? Yes. That he Um, himself picked someone up? Yes. A hitchhiker. He's the only one that saw her. Apparently... Okay, go ahead. She, go on. Apparently, she told him of her days as a former movie star, and her singing voice was similar. So he thinks that she had just been released from the menstrual institution that Dr. Greenson had put her in. That is the, that is the extent. I have so many questions. <laughs> a, did she look like Marilyn Monroe? I think, yeah, she did look like her. But it was also 20 <laughs> years later. That's the first question. So this would have been his assumption of how she would have aged up based on the pictures he'd seen. B, was she put in a mental institution in Nova Scotia? <laughs> That's the why. Theory. Also, why would Dr. Greenson... C. I guess he... <laughs> I got more. I got more. Did they just release her into the wilderness? That's the, that's his theory, is that she was there for 20 years and then they released her. Apparently to They just opened the and door and picked... was like... They were like, get lost? Also, honestly, the facts of this don't work. <laughs> no, they do not. But <laughs> one thing that I was like... Sir, if you're gonna invent a conspiracy theory for a book, there's one thing you should think through, which is why would she tell you that she's Marilyn Monroe right. if she's just spent her entire right. life? What if seems she's likely trying to, to me... escape the life of being Marilyn Monroe as an idea, as a concept, rather than as a person? Exactly. Um, so 
what I think is probably a lot more likely is one of two things. The first thing is Let's that he was making all of this up. That's <laughs> yeah. the obvious answer. Seems the most likely. Um, the other thing that I think, honestly, if his story is true, just to give him a little credit, is probably most probable, is that he picked up somebody else who was actually a homeless, frightened, paranoid, schizophrenic who yeah, thought they were Marilyn say. Monroe. Right. So... Yeah, so I don't think that theory has any credibility. Your, your brain does crazy stuff to you, and if, if your brain is doing crazy stuff to you, you have to come up with ways to deal with it. And yeah. sometimes the ways that you that you come up with... Is to make a lot of money in a book deal. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about the woman he picked up. Like, right, right. Sometimes the way that you your brain has to deal with what is going on biologically is to make up things like that and make you, make you believe that you are someone else. Exactly. Or that, uh, you know... A lot of the other things that come along with I, paranoid schizophrenia. If she is real, if this poor woman is real, I just really hope that she enjoys being a movie star and a singer more than mm. Marilyn Monroe did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I honestly just hope that it's a really happy place that she's in. Right. Mentally. I think it's more likely that she just doesn't exist at all, though. Right. All right. So. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if like something similar happened, that he picked up a hitchhiker, then he was like, oh, she's a little crazy. Yeah. And then over time, that memory formed into like, oh, she said she was a movie star and like yep. adding details in. That's, I mean, that's, that's what your memory does. Yep. It, or he created this fiction and that inspired him. He's like, what if I had picked up Marilyn Monroe? That's what I'm saying. The half yeah. and half, like half true and half fabricated. But yep. even if it is half fabricated, it might be something that he totally believes because. Exactly. Your memory plays tricks on you. Exactly. So there's one more piece of information that I was excited about. Tell me. Um, that I saved for last, and then Good. we should discuss what we think really happened. Okay. So, Dr. Greenson, who's Monroe's psychiatrist, yep. he was quoted as saying, quote, I can't explain or defend myself without revealing things I don't want to reveal. It's mm. a terrible position to be in to say I can't talk about it. I just can't tell the whole story. Talk to Robert Kennedy, unquote. I don't know the circumstances surrounding that quote. I wanted to mention, though, that sounds super suspicious when you hear it. Think about it this way, though. If you were a psychiatrist with a mentally ill patient who you'd been just trying to help for years, and suddenly you're being questioned, and you don't feel like ethically you can reveal details about her life, mm -hmm. it makes sense that you'd be like, talk to someone else in this conspiracy. Right. So I just wanted to say that. No, I agree with that, but I think there's a lot of ways that that could go. Like, Yeah. One, that's the, Sorry. That's the thing. It, it could be one of those things where he's like, ethically, I can't reveal this. Mm -hmm. It could be that he is... Uh, fearing something or someone like right. I'm if I say this then the spotlight is going to be on organization x or person x and yep. then that become that makes uh it dangerous for me to be yep. alive and saying those things um it could be that he or that she revealed some national secrets to her and he can't mm -hmm. say them you know he can't even say that he knows them like he can't be like oh I uh I can't talk about it because it's a national secret because then he becomes a target or right. or maybe the government doesn't know that he knows. It, yep. it, it could just be so many different things. I was just going to say, I, oh. I feel like this quote is interesting and it also could be an interesting part of literally any theory. Right. So right. that's the thing. Well, and that's that's what makes conspiracies like proliferate is mm -hmm. because there's always some vague explanations and vague evidence that people feel the need to fill in. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, that is part of human nature. We fill in the gaps in everything. Right. And it helps us make sense of the world and it has evolutionary benefits, mm -hmm. but like, and you do it automatically. Yeah. You don't realize yep. most of the time. So, so much of this could easily be that all of these theories are coming out of thin air because yeah. we just don't have all the information yep. because we are the general public. 
Okay, so this is the fact that I got very excited about. It's possible that I got very excited about this because I'd been fixated on it for mm-hmm. so long, but I hope you find it exciting. Okay. So P.I. Aldridge, who we talked about before, discovered... Which P.I. was that? We talked sorry, about Sorry. Um, she I need a refresher. very firmly believes... She's the one that discovered the um, bruises okay. on Monroe. Okay on her hip um and also a lot of other things i linked her article as well um but she has been researching this case she is very convinced that monroe was murdered based on her investigation Mm -hmm. but she found box 29 at the ucla library which is it's a box of papers on monroe that dr greenson wrote okay and it's sealed until 2039 which means there's a whole box of information on this case that we don't have that access to. That the psychiatrist wrote. That the psychiatrist wrote. And this is at UCLA? hmm Why is it at UCLA? I don't know. Was he like, he maybe was, you know, like doing research at yeah, UCLA I, or something? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. Hmm. I'm like, in 2039. I, I yeah, but why would it be? It's so either going to be so boring or we're going to discover something really right. interesting about this case. So Aldridge does, like I said, believe that she was murdered without a doubt. Um, and she's been investing the case. She, what she's doing though, is pushing for the case to be reopened as a homicide investigation. And as of the writing of this article, which was in like 06 or 07, I think, she was asking the attorney general to speak to two people who are alive now and were present when she died, um, but haven't been asked to give a statement. So that's Sergeant um, Marvin Ionon, uh, later chief of Beverly Hills Police Department, and Patricia Newcomb, who is Monroe's, uh, Monroe's friend. Um, they're both in their 80s, so there's a limited time for this to happen. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's like, of course we want to know what happened. Of course, if it was a murder, we want to get justice, right. even if that justice is only knowing what happened. Right. But it was so long ago. How do, how do we know that any of the information we'd be getting is credible. Yep. And, and also if all of the people we would charge murder, are dead. Right. All of the people who would be charged are dead or if there are people who were involved but weren't like actively part of the murder, like we probably, unless it was something crazy, like we probably couldn't charge them at right. all anyway. Like the statute of limitations is probably up on any sort of involvement mm-hmm. other than, you know, like really being part of it. Uh, so like, I don't know. Is that worth it? Like, I, I, I don't have a yes or no answer, but it's uh, yeah, it's something to consider. I do I do think it's interesting. There's a lot of evidence here, and I kind of wonder if just for, you know, the sake of this case and doing her justice, if it would make sense to reopen the case. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that just, like, one thing I've seen a couple of different people say is that her mode of death needs to be changed at suspi- suspicious circumstances mm-hmm. rather than suicide. suicide. And I think that that also alters her public image. So I think that that's something that would be right. really respectful to change. I'm I'm all in favor of a, an EDA, like yeah. uh, an equivocal death invest- uh, analysis, yep. uh, which for those of you don't who don't know, like that that basically looks at suicides and figuring out was it was it actually right. a suicide because a lot of times people will try to make murders look like suicides mm-hmm. so I, i'm all in favor of that um i don't know how much more we'll get out of an in-depth investigation yeah. beyond that especially because one was conducted in 82 which was a lot closer 82 to the case. and but again la in the 80s i'm just saying la yeah i mean <laughs> la in the 80s uh known for not being the most credible um although they do well now i i don't know i don't yeah. i don't keep that close of attention on individual police departments yeah um, that's fair but uh it's uh I, I don't even remember what was i saying i don't know I, I don't know either so rachel yes what do you think happens? aliens 
aliens no um as much as i would love it to be aliens uh well actually (laughs) okay maybe i am gonna dive into this a little bit um I think that there's a, there's a lot of things that the government does that we don't know about. Yeah. Aliens might be one of them. Uh, it's it is kind of difficult to believe that we live in such a a massive universe and that we are the only living beings. Yeah. Um. But is Marilyn Monroe connected to that? There's there's a lot of things that would have to happen in order for that to be true. Yep. Um. There would have to be life outside of Earth. Mm-hmm. The American government would have to know about it. She would have to have access to it and have to, like, there's just so many steps and to it. They would have had to know about it in the 60s and still not have released that in 2021. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, mafia, that's funny. Um, still alive is what I want to be true. Uh, feels unlikely. Feels unlikely. Um, the also, honestly, that's one that I hope, like, I would love for that to be true. If it is true, I kind of hope we never know. Hmm. So that she can mm. just continue to live in peace rather than people right. continuing to look for her, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and if that is true, you know, this whole investigation may have been to throw people off. You know, they, a lot of, like, yeah. people could have been paid off to say some of those things that we are looking at as not credible. Like, that, that could have been right. something that people were paid to say to help distract from her getting off the grid. Like Exactly. Um, the idea that she was killed by the Kennedys, I don't know, like... Uh, I think there are a lot of powerful people who do a lot of very bad things. Mm -hmm. But I also think that being in a position of power does not necessarily mean that you do bad things. Right. Especially to the point of murder. Like, everyone does bad things, but to assume that someone is, like, capable of the evil of murder because they're in a position of power is a a bit of a jump. Um, But... I, I, I see the validity in her being considered a liability. Mm-hmm. But the question that I don't have the answer to is who considered her a liability? Right. Was it the Kennedys? Was it the FBI? Was it like the country as a whole? Right. Was it someone who was scared of communists? Like, yeah. could it have, it very easily could have been someone outside of the government, like completely outside of the government. It could have been government. her psychiatrist. Maybe she could said something terrifying. It could have been a lot of different things. Also have to remember, you know, we are it's in 1962 like have, i guess like you also have to remember that in in 1962 we're like 10 years out of mccarthyism yeah so do you know what mccarthyism no. is no uh, i was going to ask it like in the 50s people got really freaked out about communism oh right yeah yeah, yeah. um i just didn't know the name and okay. yeah and then there was some like witch hunts Mm-hmm. basically of people who were accused of being communists who lost yeah. their jobs and like things like that Monroe uh, was also really loud and proud equal rights civil rights advocate yeah like there are yeah. a lot of people that she could have been enemies with so you know people who are who are really scared of communism like it may have been it may have been an instance of some sort of post McCarthyism mm-hmm. fear um seeing her as a liability but to say that it was the government uh, yeah, you had to be careful with those claims. Like, Definitely, the the government is kind of um, often used as as a scapegoat, kind of like when we talk about uh, I don't know, like like social media, and we're like they are watching us. Like who's yeah. they? Yeah, you know, the government is, is so big that to say that it was the government is uh, just a bit of a cop out. Yeah, uh, when you get more specific with it, there's there's possibilities there. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily have a formed opinion. Yeah. Um on what exactly happened but I I wouldn't be surprised if 
national security concerns were a part of it. Yeah. I definitely would not be surprised by that. Um, I don't know that it, it's the whole thing. I, I yeah. don't fully agree with any of these theories. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to come up with what actually happened with very limited and vague evidence is nearly impossible. Yep. So my guess is it's probably a mix of a lot of yep. things. I wouldn't even be, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a suicide though. That's actually what yeah. I was going to say. I think after all of this research, I so badly want it to be that she was okay, that it was, you know. Yes. But yep. I think after reviewing all of the research, by the time I came to the end of like, obviously you can't get to the end of all the research, mm-hmm. but when I got to the point I got to, I'm really convinced that I do think that all of these things played a role. I think that probably her affairs with the Kennedys led her to the brink. I think she was very, probably did know national secrets and was very stressed because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think her housekeeper probably didn't know how to handle the situation. I think Dr. Greason probably didn't like handle it well. I think all of those things are true. But at the end of the day, to be honest, unless some other research comes to light, I believe that this was either a suicide because she was crazy overwhelmed and stressed or an accidental overdose if she was drunk and couldn't sleep or something like that going on. Or she was like, I just am so horribly stressed and depressed by my life right now. I'm just going to take a couple of these so I can sleep for like a day. Mm -hmm. And And so escapism. I, I think it was probably either an accidental death or a suicide. Now, that being said, I would honestly be happy if the case were reopened and we could if there was a way we could know that for sure or investigate it more thoroughly but I I do think that it was probably not nefarious her death I think that it probably was really sadly either accidental or a suicide um I mean regarding what I said with like how useful would an investigation be yeah I I would be happy to see an investigation be reopened despite what I said I just don't think that we can expect it to turn anything useful up uh it, it was a long time ago, and yep. we've improved our investigating a lot in those last 60 years, but evidence and insights and stories, like, they degrade over time. Yeah. So it, it might be worth it. It might not be. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't totally be surprised if it was a suicide, but it was almost, like, an encouraged suicide. Mm-hmm. Not Not in what... You were saying about um, like people wanting her to commit suicide. Right. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. But what about if it was a suicide and people were covering for her and providing her with these things, not because they wanted to off her and they wanted her to do it herself, yeah, but because they really understood where she was coming from and like, yeah. this is a lot. And you're going to, like, maybe they didn't say this to her, but they might have noticed, like, she's going to be miserable her whole life. Right. It may have been something where they're like, yeah, assisted suicide, like, the other thing, might be the best thing for her. The other thing that I was wondering, and I have absolutely Which no, is uh, a terrible yeah. thing for them to say. No, we'll make that clear. Yeah. A, a, terrible, a terrible thing for them to, like, participate in if mm-hmm. that's what happened. But, you know, psychiatry in the 60s. Yeah. It is also very questionable. Yep. Um... Another thing that I wanted to just kind of throw out there is the fact that her mother dealt with mental illness and was in an yeah. asylum like we talked about in the beginning. And I imagine asylums in the 60s, not good. Horrible. Not good. Um, so part of me also wonders if... She was going to be committed? If she was going to be and she was preventing mm. that. That's something That's... I was wondering about. Mm. Um, I don't have any evidence for that. Um, but even just looking at... Yeah, the per- well, we're talking about conspiracies. Yeah, just looking at her overall profile, that would be my theory. But right. 
All, all of that being said, I think there are about an endless number of things we could say about this topic, especially. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I really don't think it's it's uh, any one of these. I think it's multiple. And I, I, yep. I think there's also things that play into it that no one has theorized ever. Yep. Listeners, I would encourage you, please let us know what you think. We're genuinely curious. I really want to know what you guys think. Um, also, I linked all of my sources in this description. If you get really into it, I would... <laughs> I could not be happier than if one of you went and read all the sources and sent me like a detailed essay to our Gmail. I would love that. Lauren, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren. Yeah. What's our Gmail? Our Gmail would be <laughs> hyperfocuscast at gmail.com. Hyperfocus, C-A-S-T at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Uh, you can also send us your insights on Instagram at... Yep. Um, that would be hyperfocuspod. Or on Twitter. Hyperfocus underscore pod. Uh, I was gonna say or on TikTok, but they could tag us could, on TikTok. You could make a you could make a video with your opinion on TikTok. Yes, please do. Um, on TikTok, we are a hyperfocus pod. I hate to think about that. Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, anything else? Any, do we have anything else to like announce today? Any, I don't think we do. Anywhere else to uh, send people? Oh, oh, yes, we do. We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we now have a, a Facebook page. That's true. And a Facebook group. So uh, we could also we would also love for you guys to talk about your theories there. We could all have yeah. a discussion. Yeah. So uh, Facebook page is where you can follow us and get more information about the podcast. The Facebook group is uh, more for discussions mm-hmm. and for all of you listeners. If you want to discuss theories with each other if you want to present us with new information we will be on there every now and then yeah uh, contributing to these discussions so if you have anything you want to talk to us about uh we'll set up discussions for yeah, that's definitely the one of the best ways to reach us yeah that one's going to be fun yeah um i'm super excited that about that just for both the facebook and the group the page and the group um hyperfocus colon a podcast for chaotic minds if you find the page you can click on the group from there or you can go directly to the group uh, you will have to request membership, but we just put that there so we don't get bots. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's very easy to get on there. Yep. All right. Well, that's all we got for you today, but we love you. Stay chaotic, babes. What were we, what were we talking about? Oh, we were telling our FBI agents to get lost because... We don't want them to. And then I mentioned be that dropping in on us. And, we're we're only yeah. insulting the um, LAPD and LAFBI from 1960s <laughs> to 1980s. So my fav- I think we're in the clear um, in terms. The, the LAPD in the mid 20th, mid to late 20th century is my favorite scapegoat. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.